is she? Shana, the Jungle Queen. Hello, I'm Mark Sweeney, and this is Shana Showcase number seven. Shanna Showcase is a podcast indexing the significant solo appearances of Marvel's Shanna the She-Devil. Each episode I'll be taking a look at an issue or two of some Marvel comic featuring Shanna, giving a synopsis of the action, and putting my two cents in here and there. I've been trying hard since the beginning of this podcast to keep the episodes to around 20 minutes, and that's worked like a dream for the last few episodes where I've covered two issues each. This time I might be running over a bit as I've decided to cover Shanna's next three appearances in issue numbers 110 through 112 of Daredevil, the Netflix star without fear. These issues are from June through August of 1974. I chose to cover three issues this time as the third issue will feature the final chapter of the Black Spectre saga, the seeds of which had been planted back in Shanna's short-lived solo series, and which I covered several episodes back. I didn't want to uh, split up the saga one more time and have another episode begin with the conclusion of such, a, such an important chapter in Shanna's life. So first up is Daredevil number 110, Shanna O'Hara also called She-Devil, popped up in the previous issue of Daredevil and in the contemporary issue of Marvel 2-in-1 featuring Daredevil and the Thing. Due to those books being written by Steve Gerber, who'd worked on Shanna beginning with her very first appearance in Shanna the She-Devil number one. It's been pretty obvious that the story Gerber wanted to tell was much bigger than the five measly issues Shanna was given, so... It was natural that the events would spill over into other titles Gerber wrote, including Marvel 2-in-1 and Daredevil. Last time out, we discovered that D.D. had been drawn into confrontation with an evil organization called Black Spectre, which had been responsible for a number of what amount to complicated pranks, defacing several national monuments, including Mount Rushmore, the Washington Monument, and others. Shanna suspects Black Spectre of murdering her estranged father and using O'Hara Sr.'s fortune to fund their schemes. This suspicion has brought her to New York and into the sphere of Daredevil, Foggy Nelson, and, and all the rest. The rest of number 110's credit box includes the great Gene Colan, penciler, Frank Chiaramonte, inker, Artie Simek, letterer, Linda Lessman, colorist, Rowdy Roy Thomas, editor, and John Romita, cover artist. Romita had drawn three out of five covers for Shanna's solo series. So in this story called Birthright, the action picks up seconds after Marvel 2-in-1 number 3, with the thing giving Dee Dee a ride in the Fantastic Car. The two had just been soundly defeated by Black Spectre and thrown from their mobile air fortress, partially because Ben Grimm had been put under a hypnotic spell by Black Spectre's mysterious hooded leader. The thing remembers nothing of the encounter except that the leader was ugly. This seems to give Daredevil an idea, and to the thing's surprise, Dee Dee leaps out of the fantastic car in mid-flight and swings and spins his way to the ground. 
Coincidentally, Dee Dee happens upon a couple of helmeted black specter goons and puts a beating on them. He confirms his own suspicions about the number of goons he's faced. They always seem to move with a surprising lightness and grace, despite their bulk, and when he removes an unconscious one's helmet, reveals a tattoo-faced woman. Tattoo is like a baboon face, and we've seen these women before. Daredevil manages to get the captured cultist to the police station when who should burst into the booking room but a fully clothed Shanna. She-Devil's looking for answers and she's escorted by her pet leopards Ina and Beery. Just as Shanna arrives, the room holding the cultists explodes, the women taking the cyanide capsule bit a little further, destroying themselves before being interrogated. This double suicide is witnessed by witnessed by signals miles away in the Black Spectre Flying Fortress and is reported to the cult leader by Necra, Priestess of Hate, and a hypnotized Black Widow. The way Colin draws the masked cult leader I can only explain is maybe how a movie serial version of Black Panther would look. I'm thinking here of the floppy-eared Batman and the old serial, but a hundred times more menacing. The leader decides to leave the fortress and drop in on Daredevil with the mind to try to convert him to their cause. Back at the station, Daredevil leaps over a NYPD scooter, which suddenly makes me feel much cooler about the very similar looking one that I drive around. He leaps toward home, hoping to catch some Z's, crawls in through his apartment window to find the Black Spectre cult leader. Dee Dee tries to play off like this isn't his apartment, but Matt Murdock's when the leader tells him, eh, don't be silly. Black Widow revealed your secret identity. Shocked Daredevil is even further shocked when the leader pulls off his mask, revealing the eight-faced villain, the Mandrill. Mandrill claims that Black Widow, due to his own mutant pheromone power, is in love with him, and that's how... GD's secret was coerced. Mandrill then goes into a five-page flashback sequence detailing his origin. Like all of Marvel's best origins, the Mandrills are nuclear in nature. Not saying this is a particularly great origin, but it is very strange. Definitely a Marvel origin. Mandrill's father was a scientist during the earliest nuclear tests. Something goes wrong when he, a white man, is alone in the lab with a black facilities worker. An explosion exposes the two to a massive amount of radiation, and one year later, the white scientist fathers a black child, and the facility worker gives birth to a white baby. Not, not really Caucasian, but like paper white. This is strange enough, but the children have further mutations. The black boy grows an excessive amount of hair, and develops an ape face, which I'm sure made him real popular at school. His parents couldn't stand the sight of him, despite raising him for ten years. They, they leave him to die in the desert. These are parents of the year. The white black girl, this of course is Necra, is ostracized herself and eventually running away, runs into a vagrant mandrill. Two buddy up for a time, living off the land, I guess, and until they're confronted by a redneck mob, pitchfork and all. Here's where Necra discovers her mutant ability, a, a hate-fueled invulnerability. 
After dispatching the mob, the mandrel, with his mental power over women and rock creatures, I guess, conceives of the plan of putting their powers to use, taking over the world. First step of which the, is the simultaneous overthrow of several African governments, and this scheme was crushed by Shanna back in her solo series, and Shanna seems to be the one female immune to the mandrel's power. So failing in Africa, Mandrel decides to go after the, you know, the small fry, the overthrow of the U.S. government. Only this time, behind the Black Spectre organization, Daredevil's hurt enough and attacks the Mandrel, who throws Dee Dee out the window. The two tussle a bit more, but the arrival of the police gets Mandrel to hightail it, and a gathering crowd disorients Daredevil and his hyper senses. The thwarting of Black Spectre will have to wait for another day. So this was an interesting issue, the highlights being, of course, the Gene Colan art. Love his depiction of the mandrel. He looks like what he is, an ape-faced man, and his reveal scene, especially his expression, is almost comical, but Colan's sort of fluid and exaggerated art style lends the character a real drama. Another highlight is that, that origin story. Here we have a villain which is... Yeah, think about it, really sympathetic. Two villains, really, with sympathetic origins. With a very strange, racially charged beginning. Definitely feels like of its time, the story. Uh, early to mid-70s. You'd never see an origin story like this ten years prior, apart from the whole atomic angle, and even ten years later, twenty years later, I don't think political correctness would allow the sort of race-swap commentary Gerber's uh, putting forth here. Steve Gerber certainly didn't shy away from storytelling like this. Still can't get over the play that Black Spectre put on last time out. The black slave being beaten up by Captain America, who was shot dead by Adolf Hitler, who himself puts a bullet in his own head. This was a play attended by Daredevil and his civilian guise of Matt Murdock and his date Candace Nelson, Foggy's sister. I covered this last Shanna Showcase and I've put up those pages, those weird pages on uh, Twitter and Tumblr which are linked on my blog, imthegun.blogspot.com. Shanna only gets a couple panels this issue, but it gets a bit more of a workout in the next issue, which is Daredevil number 111. Under a cover by Ron Wilson and Frank Chicoya, with which Shanna gets, gets billing on. Plus she puts in a little appearance next to the logo and a little image grab from the cover of Shanna the She-Devil number 5 by John Romita. The rest of the credits are Steve Gerber writer, Bob Brown back on pencils, Jim Moody inker, Tom Orzakowski letterer, Linda Lessman, colorist, and Roy Thomas, editor. The story is called Sword of the Samurai and features the first appearance of the villain Silver Samurai. The issue begins in the New York pad of Shanna O'Hara. Daredevil's barged in on Shanna and her uncle Ironsides O'Hara at 3 a.m. to report his encounter with the Mandrel. The way Dee Dee explains the Mandrel's plan, it almost puts a noble spin on it. He plans to seize control of the U.S. government to stamp out the hatred of differences that Mandrel perceives as so central an idea to the U.S.'s culture. 
Wanting nothing more than some rest, Daredevil departs, but is immediately attacked out of the blue by a, a new villain on the block, Silver Samurai. Accomplishing nothing more than the destruction of a brick building, a lamppost, and a U.S. mailbox, fight's broken up by the sudden appearance of Ina and Beery, followed by Shanna in her nightgown, who all gang up on the samurai. Wounded samurai makes a quick exit, leaving Dee Dee and Shanna to wonder, who the hell is this guy? The next day, Daredevil and Shanna, who's sporting a leopard skin bikini for the first time since her appearance with that oaf Kazar, drop in on a convalescing Foggy Nelson who demands that Shanna enter a flashback sequence explaining her activity up to this point. Which she does. Now, Shanna has previously had a flashback to events around this time during a previous appearance in uh, Kazar, which is completely contradicted here, as the sequence in this issue is written by Steve Gerber and references events also written by Gerber. Uh, I'm going to consider this to be the definitive series of events. Before I get into it, I want to comment on the sudden shift in art for this two-page spread. The layout and style makes me think it was done by a, another art team. Panels are huge and the characters even look a little different. I wonder if this was intended for some other use, some other issue. Maybe a Shanna number six or something and then appropriated for use here when when her own series folded. I don't know, it just sticks out. Anyway, Shanna flashes back to the end of her own issue five when she subdued Necra, Priestess of Hate. Under the gunpoint of Shanna's own Steve Trevor, Game Warden Patrick McShane, Necra refused to tell Shanna the whereabouts of her missing father, the quest for whom occupied the last two issues of Shanna's own title. Shanna took off to the nearest city to contact her shield pal, Jakuna Singh, and when the two returned to take Necra into custody, they find Necra had escaped, but not before killing McShane with her bare hands. This makes me feel kind of bad for all the rotten things I've said about him in previous episodes. It's here that her quest for vengeance against the Mandrill and his operatives really goes to the next level. It's also here that she claims to have been whisked away to the Savage Land for her adventure she shared with... Uh, Kazar. She returned to Africa to find a telegram reporting the murder of her father, so... Her supporting cast is being picked off here, one by one, sadly, and... Unfortunately, this trend would continue in some Shan appearances down the road, but... Enough of the spoilers. Back to the regular art team, but... Not yet done with the flashback, Chikuna Singh, whose appearance is really most telling that a different team drew the bulk of the flashback. The previous spread, Chikuna looks pretty much like he did in Shanna's own series, a southern Asian man, an Indian or Pakistani maybe, with a voluminous turban. When you turn the page, the obvious Bob Brown stuff, Chikuna looks like an African man with a tight red head wrap. Really not the same guy at all. Anyway, Jakuna has some further bad news. I guess he held back and not wanted to pile on. But he does have to say that the Mandrill escaped from custody where Shanna had put him. Sliced out by a, an as yet unknown accomplice. Hmm. As Shanna's flashback concludes, everyone comes to the same realization that the Silver Samurai is somehow aligned with the Black Spectre, and it was he that 
freed Mandrill from Shield's custody. To hammer this point home, who but the Silver Samurai smashes through the window with a couple of specter goons. They blast the jungle cats, and Samurai makes off with Shanna under his arm. Daredevil gives chase, but is met by Necker, who gives Hornhead a karate chop to the back of the neck. The villains all climb up a waiting rope ladder to Black Spectre headquarters and are met by Mandrill. He wants to get to the bottom of why Shanna is unfazed by his animal magnetism, orders her taken to the science deck for experimentation. A revived Daredevil puts in an appearance in his life as Matt Murdock before continuing to search the skyline for Black Spectre. He spots them, where else, parked atop the Empire State Building where Silver Samurai and company are descending, planning to take out the television tower. Daredevil takes them on briefly before taking the opportunity to grab the rope ladder and begins a climb to the Air Fortress which will lead to the final confrontation with Black Spectre. Which follows directly in the next issue. Before I get to that, I just want to mention, because I like to look for that sort of stuff, that future Daredevil editor Ralph Macchio had letters printed in the previous two issues. Really cool to see those. Now I've got to read the credits for issue number 112, because apart from Steve Gerber, writer and editor Roy Thomas, it's an entirely new cast. What a creative revolving door this book had at this time. I wonder if this was like a Marvel policy or something to play musical chairs on its titles. We've got Gene Colan back on pencils, yay. Frank Chicoya doing the tracing. Annette Kavecki doing the lettering. Petra Goldberg on colors. And a Gil Kane with Frank Chicoya cover. So many credits this episode. Story called Death of a Nation? Question mark. Begins with Daredevil's long ladder rope climb to Black Spectre's foe Zeppelin headquarters. And he climbs as he watches the Empire State Building's communications tower crumble to the street below. Necra meets him halfway down and kicks him off the ladder, but he uses his billy club to swing up to a higher rung, only to be met at the aircraft's doorway by the mandrill. Two tussle, but Necker catches up and gives Daredevil the second chop to the back of the neck in his many issues, knocking him out cold. Meanwhile, Foggy Nelson and Iron Guts O'Hara discuss the situation. Black Spectre has cut phone cables, jammed radio, and now destroyed a good portion of television communication at least in New York City. And with threats to detonate nuclear bombs apparently planted underneath Manhattan should the Avengers or the Fantastic Four interfere, Mandrill and his organization seem poised to stage a successful coup of the U.S. government. So back aboard the Black Spectre headquarters, which is making its way to Washington, D.C., Mandrill discusses with Necker his plan. Once the government takeover is complete, he wants to have Daredevil and the captive Shanna dissected in order to figure out how Dee Dee's radar sense works and how the Jungle Queen can resist Mandrill's pheromone power. 
Vandril departs to put the finishing touches on the coup, but but he leaves spitefully and perhaps foolishly Daredevil's ex-lover, the entranced Black Widow, to keep an eye on the bound prisoners. Mandrill and his force of tattooed ladies, who dispense with their Black Spectre goon garb at this point, make their way down to the White House, where they install a giant Mandrill statue-slash-fire pit right, right there on the White House lawn. President and his family have been evacuated due to the threat to New York, though a token military force is left behind. Mandrill and his peeps walk right by these troops and opens the door to the Oval Office. Meanwhile, Shanna suggests to Daredevil that only a strong shock will break the Mandrill's hold on Black Widow. Suddenly, Daredevil screams to Black Widow about an attack on some old lady referencing an event from some previous issue. This holds some significance to the widow, who snaps out of her trance and frees the prisoners. She remembers everything done under the mandrel's sway, so pleads with Daredevil for forgiveness. Shanna points out uh, if she remembers the details of the craft they're on, uh, this may give them the chance of defeating the mandrel. Daredevil asks Black Widow where, the, where they keep the jetpacks. In the White House, the Mandrill's getting all comfy in the Oval Office, just as Daredevil sporting that jetpack. Black Widow and Shanna smash through the window. They partner up. Daredevil takes on Mandrill. Shanna takes out a tattooed cultist, and Black Widow takes on Necra. Mandrill scurries up to the roof of the White House, pursued by Daredevil. Man gains the upper hand and is about to toss Dee Dee over the edge when the floating HQ explodes in a giant fireball. Seems like the Black Widow had rigged a, another jetpack to explode. It startles the Mandrill and this allows Dee Dee to reflexively lash out, sending Mandrill off the roof. Now a despondent Daredevil, thinking he's killed Mandrill, finds the Widow and Shanna exchanging handshakes. Daredevil reports the death of Mandrill, but the ever-practical Shanna wants to see the body, which a quick search of the grounds fails to produce. Still, the immediate threat of Black Spectre has been ended, or at least suspended. So, going through these Black Spectre issues of Daredevil and Looks like I should try to pick up number 108 at some point for some background details before Shanna shows up. Anyway, going through these, I find that Shanna's in a way barely there, considering the impact that the issues have on her character. She's lost in the span of a few issues, her father, a friend, and even the opportunity for vengeance or even closure, with the mandrel now missing, presumed dead. It was obviously very important for Steve Gerber to tie up the loose ends from Shanna's cancelled series, and that's done here to some degree, helping clear the decks for the next phase of her character's evolution. Steve Gerber here isn't completely done with Shanna, though. He'll return to write a couple more of her adventures, which I'll of course be covering sometime in the future right here. Now, in my mind, Daredevil seems to work best as a strictly street-level Avenger, and that 
anarchic conspiracies and national level threats are typically out of his wheelhouse, but I enjoyed this story. The Mandrill and his crew came across as an appropriate threat for Daredevil to face, and with some help he managed to manage to take care of business. I'm curious to learn what any Daredevil fans out there think of the Black Spectre story as a as a Daredevil epic. Any opinion on this, leave a comment on the blog, imthegun.blogspot.com. There's a link on that page to Twitter and Tumblr. You can email me at imthegun, I-M-T-H-E-G-U-N, at gmail.com. And please check out iTunes for previous episodes of Shanna Showcase, also episodes of Reboot Review, my issue-by-issue index of DC's The Legion of Superheroes from stories from the 1990s. Just search in iTunes there for I'm the Gun, Shanna Showcase, or Reboot Review there. They're all on the same episode list. So I'll be back in probably a couple weeks with another Shanna Showcase, so... Until next time, see you on the Savannah.